Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got a very interesting show lined up for you this week. As usual, we'll have a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. But before that, as usual, we're going to talk to Christine Sikiadis of our Minute on Innovation. But uh, I went across to a very exciting breakfast this morning where we were talking about innovation put on by Ideation at Work. Um, So Christina will be talking about some of the action points from that breakfast a bit later on. But we're going to talk to one of the uh, presenters there this morning, Roger Langston from Planet Innovation. And his business has been number one in the Business Review Weekly uh, Innovation section for several times. And uh, he spoke very very interestingly about ingredients for innovation. So we thought we'd have a chat with him on the radio today. Good afternoon, Roger. Hi, Julian. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. All the way from Melbourne as well. That's right. I've made the trip every year and I thoroughly enjoy it. You've come up to enjoy the beautiful weather up here, haven't you? Exactly right. And uh, and some of the dolphins, hopefully, as well. <laughs> so uh, you spoke this morning about these in, in, ingredients for innovation. And, of course, your business is all about helping businesses innovate. The first one, I believe, was to uh, celebrate your uh, successes and so forth. Yeah. I mean, you know, culture is a really important part of um, you know, fostering innovation within any organisation. And one of the interesting things people can do is look at what they celebrate within their organisation. So if they celebrate sales success, then they're going to generate a very sales-focused culture. If they uh, celebrate people's birthdays and anniversaries, they're going to generate a very socially-orientated culture. So if you want to have an innovative culture, you want to be celebrating people's innovations. And they could be mm. innovations they're doing outside of the workplace. Mm. And, and some of the examples you showed are, are people in your organisation that are, are doing things outside of what they would normally do at work. It's quite amazing. Yeah, we, we invite people to come along and share the projects they're working on, not knowing what they're going to present. And we've got people that are designing and building guitars. Um, we've got people that are building, you know, remote-controlled um, devices and people that are even building these escape rooms, you know, where it's an actual room where people pay to go in and they've got to try and get out within an hour by um, solving all of the problems. So they're very sophisticated and, and it really helps generate that type of um, creative atmosphere. So, so the second point that you raised was uh, focusing on the problem and more importantly, what is the real problem? Yeah, it is. I mean, we, we all love to rush to the solution, don't we? As soon as we've got a bit of a problem, bang, we're out generating you know, a new brochure or a new website or whatever it is, the challenge that we've got. So we try and use a process that says, stop, have a think, what is the actual problem you're trying to solve? And when you do that, it's quite hard to do. When you do that, you actually open up the solution space. And, you know, maybe the type of solution is not what you thought it was going to be just because you've, you've made that discipline to stop and, and really understand the problem you've got. And you spoke about uh, the, there's two two spaces. There's the problem space and the uh, solution space. And, and too often we tend to jump straight into that solution space. That's right. And as soon as we do that, we miss that opportunity. We've already made assumptions. You know, we've made assumptions that this is the problem and therefore the solution is going to be similar to what I did last year or, or, or the previous year. You know, but as soon as you get the right people in the right room looking at the problem saying, you know what, it doesn't mean we need to develop a new product or a better product. You know, maybe we just need to remarket the one we're doing or we need to change the industry that we're targeting or something like that. So there may be some simple solutions just because you've taken a break and focused on the problem. And your third one was to co-develop. And, and just putting that in perspective, the relationship between the technical side and the commercial side. 
Yeah, and again, I see this a lot. We work quite a lot with startups, but just people that have ideas, you know, you've got this idea and people like to develop that idea fully before they take it to the market. So, you know, imagine they're developing some sort of web-based um, product. They'll sit at home and work on it for months and months and they may even generate some money and spend lots of hours building that product but never show it to anybody. Mm-hmm. So we always tell those people to stop. As soon as you've got any sort of prototype, show it to your customer. Get some actual feedback from the market. Learn from that experience and then start to iterate and develop it in conjunction with your marketplace. And you were then talking about uh, the, the step ladders and, and getting those sort of more even than, than being up too high in the technical side and down in the commercial. That's how we try and illustrate the people that come yeah. in. You know, we, People often have developed the idea, they've built a prototype. Some of them have even got manufacturers lined up. So you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, they're 8 out of 10 on the technical scale. Like they're ready. They've got a product that works. But commercially... They haven't sold any products. They've got no clients trialling their products. Some of them haven't even spoken to a customer. So they're only probably a 2 out of 10 on the commercial side. And we say you want to keep those levels about the same so that you're moving both of those forward. Mm. And the final one that you came up with was be flexible. What, what can it do? Yeah, that's right. I mean, you've got to be passionate about your idea and you've got to pursue it because it's going to be difficult. But don't be afraid to change direction. You know, in the industry, we call it pivoting. But sometimes there's going to be a better opportunity. The first product you try and develop, if that's what you're doing, it might not be successful. But if you make a slight change, maybe take it to a different industry or a different market, it could be very successful. So you need to be always looking to the side to see what other opportunities could exist for you. With some of your clients that you work with, do you find that some of them are a little bit inflexible? They've got their way of wanting to do this and they don't really want to change? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think um, people... They fall in love with their ideas. You know, some of them have been working on projects and ideas for years and years. And so they want to develop a product. We may come along and say, hey, you know what? A lot of that technology already exists. You can reuse it. You can license it and repackage it. And then I'll think, well, I don't want to do that. It's like, but if you want to build a successful business, that's going to be much faster for you, much easier. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, in a couple of years, you can circle back and develop your own product. So having that flexibility is, is very useful. So, so we mentioned at the start that you've uh, been number one in the Business Review Weekly list for several times. Uh, what, what are the advantages of being part of those sorts of programs? Oh, it's really useful, actually. I mean, we, we market ourselves as an innovative company, but, but so does everybody. Mm. You know, everybody want, makes that claim. So how do you demonstrate? How do you have any sort of credible evidence to show that, you're, um, that you are actually an, an innovative company? And I think being a part of those awards does give you that little bit of independent justification to make those claims. So we've used that even internationally when we've met with clients. Um, we've shown them that they've looked it up themselves and researched that. So, you know, I would encourage companies, any companies, to actually have a go and try and enter if they have the opportunity. And you also made the comment it gives you an opportunity to look at your company in probably a different light. It does. There's an opportunity to do a a survey of your staff and to have a a bit of an appraisal done of your innovation infrastructure and your process. And it gives you a bit of a framework to say, okay, over the next six or 12 months, what do we want to focus on? And uh, that allows you to do that. Well, thanks very much, Roger. Just one uh, point. Uh, Have you got a final takeaway point for us? Look, I think my final takeaway point would be that, you know, to be innovative, you want to hire innovative people. So be very fussy on who you bring into your company. And and don't be afraid to hire different people into your organisation. People that think differently are very good when it comes to innovation. Sure, they might be, you know, unusual sometimes and have different ideas, 
But that's what you want. You want different people that think creatively that you can bring into the mix. Well, thank you very much for your time, Roger, and thanks for uh, tripping up from uh, Melbourne to uh, uh, Newcastle for the third time, I believe, and we welcome you back another time. And so we very much appreciate your time. And you're listening to Business, the Law and You on 2NURFM 103.7. It's 23 minutes past one. Time to pop over to Christina. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you? I'm very well. And that was a very exciting breakfast this morning. So congratulations on that. Thank and you. And we had some remarkable speakers. Like it did. all comes down really to the, to the speakers and they were very generous with their time and very generous with their content. And I was very excited, well, obviously with Roger, having just had a chat with him, but uh, also yeah. those three lads from the uh, Newcastle Uni uh, with some great ideas that we'll have a chat with on the radio in a few weeks' time. Yep, they were sensational and, and very dry in some of their delivery, I thought. And, yes. and typical science, I've got to say this, typical science, one of the guys had his jumper on inside out. I thought that was classic science, you know, <laughs> I have to say, I was so absorbed I didn't notice. I think it's the mother in me that noticed that one. (laughs) So uh, we've uh, got a few takeover, take-home points from that. Yep, we do. So at the end of each um, event, I like to do a takeout session because it Mm. reinforces um, with people what they they actually learnt out of the event. And then I'll send it to them um, later on. So there's another reinforcement. Um, But flexibility uh, was one. And I know that that you spoke with Roger about flexibility. Mm. Um, The the young guys actually mentioned the Valley of Death, which a lot of startups go through. You go through that, you know, where am I? What am I doing? I need some help. How am I going to climb out of this, this, you know, this dip? Um, to celebrate, and, I, and again, I know that Roger um, has spoken about about celebration and what is it that you're going to celebrate? What is the culture of your organisation? What is it that you that you want people, you know, to to be rewarded for? Um, another good takeout was lazy and impatience breeds innovation. Mm. So, you know, a, a lot of the innovations, as we know, come from a, a point of time of frustration, or as the as the young guy said, I'm not going to go through 150 slides. Um, to find what it is I'm looking for. And they, you know, they spent three days sitting around a lounge room going, how are we going to make this easier? Is, this a better, um, is there and, a better way? And they did, you know, they came up with a better way. So uh, another takeout, be a rare and magical unicorn. So, you know, aim high. Um, don't be scared to be different. Be unique. And, and there's a, a lot of uh, research and information and encouragement out there at the moment to, to be unique. You know, what is your USP? How are you going to stand out from the crowd? Um, another one was the power of collaboration. And a, a really interesting thing for me that happened um, this morning was uh, when people were talking to each other and we had the geriatrician discussing with the coder um, about a, a way of eliminating fears in waiting rooms because mm. when you think about it, often you know a waiting room is a is a environment to breed fear because you're not quite sure what the doctor's going to say to you. So anything that alleviates that fear, you know, can only be a good thing. Um, pivoting, I know that you've spoken about with Roger and and being very clear on on the challenge, really focusing on the problem first, which we can't re- reiterate enough. Um, and then work on the solution. But you've got to know what you're solving to it before you can actually, you know, solve whatever it is. And also we didn't really focus it on, on that group of points there or even with Roger, and that is the, the culture of the workforce. Oh, and we've spoken about that, you mm. know, countless times, but it is so important that you get that support from the top down 
that there is reward for innovation, that there is time for innovation. And when I say reward, it doesn't necessarily have to be monetary. You know, it can be um, it can be recognition of what you've done. If it's a um, a product or a service that actually goes to market, it may be a financial reward. It may be a partnership. Um, you know, and I and that's that's the kind of reward system um, that needs to be embedded in, in organisations as far as their cultural attitude toward innovation goes. And it was interesting to see that uh, so many of these successful firms now are not just you know focusing in on getting results from their people, but allowing them to, to go off and deviate a little bit and, and move into the innovation. Even accountants are now let, letting people do that. <laughs> Yeah, and, and isn't that fantastic? Because as you and I know, there are there's been countless examples of where that has worked for organisations. You know, post-its from 3M. There's just countless examples of where when you give people enough space to do some thinking, and it usually can't, if we come back to problem solving, it's usually where they've found a gap. You know, there's, a, mm. there's been an identified problem, something's missing, something's not quite working, um, or you recognise as we potentially seniors housing online you know the the two women who started that program recognized that there was a, a gap in the market they needed to find some accommodation for their elderly father and couldn't find it anywhere and went why isn't there one site Let's why isn't it. there one directory where this can happen yeah it's fantastic well thanks very much for your time again christina and uh, we'll have a chat next week have a great week thank you julian i look forward to it thank you bye-bye bye Christina Sikiat is there with yeah, some action points for that Top Shots breakfast this morning and it certainly was uh, very eye-opening as to see the way some of these businesses are going and, and, and keep going away from the, the original structures of business, which is, uh, I suppose, part of innovation. Well, it's uh, coming up to 29 minutes to two. We just listened to Matthew and Son, which is probably the old way of doing business and, and people worrying about being there on time and so forth. There's an interesting uh, comment here from Harvard Business Review, which says, don't over-monitor your goals. Having goals is a good thing, but the current trend of self-monitoring, whether through time trackers such as Toggle or fitness trackers such as Fitbit, means we're constantly evaluating ourselves. The sales we make, the hours we work, or the miles we run. Over-monitoring can get tiring and cause us to lose sight of what really matters. Avoid this trap by taking a few more a humane approach. First of all, assess yourself. If you're constantly measuring what you're doing and feeling uneasy about things you actually want to do, it's time to loosen up. Secondly, reevaluate the why. Think about whether you're monitoring habits because they work for you or because it's what you think you should do. Thirdly, disappoint people. Don't get overwhelmed by all the things people expect you to do and be. Let some of them go. And finally, be brave. Stop looking at your self-worth as a scorecard. So we do tend to over-monitor a little bit, don't we, especially with these uh, little gadgets and things that we have these days. And uh, the next one looks uh, from Harvard Business Review looks very, very similar. It says you don't have to say yes to every opportunity. It's hard to say no to great opportunities, even when you don't actually have time for them or they're uh, not in line with what your top priorities are. Let's face it, most of us succeed early in our careers by saying yes to almost everything. We're afraid to say no, so we overcommit. But learning to say no is the only way to find focus and productivity you need to become great at what you really want to do. 
You'll you'll only make progress on your most meaningful long-term goals if you carve out dedicated time for them. So um, the next time an exciting invitation or opportunity comes along, think carefully about the time involved. In addition to the commitment itself, is there planning or prep work to be done? What's the travel time? Will there be follow-up? Thinking this through will make the return on investment, or lack thereof, much clearer. So it's an interesting point there. And then finally, from Harvard Business Review tip, gain control over anxiety-inducing thoughts. You're stuck in traffic. You're going to miss your flight and the game-changing meeting at the other end of it. Your presentation is poorly executed. You're not going to win the new client. There goes the promotion and maybe worse. If only these anxiety-inducing thoughts could be swatted away like so many pesky insects. The good news is that there is a way to gain control over them. Bring order to the chaos by making a list. Write down what you need to do and plan to get it done. Tackle the distasteful tasks first to get them over with. Procrastinating will only increase your anxiety. If your problem is not too much to do with to do but too little, seek an additional activities to stay busy and avoid brooding. Too much disorganized space, including mental space, can feel oddly oppressive. So some interesting points that probably fit in very nicely with the discussions that we had today with Roger Langston from Planet Innovation and Christina on the importance of innovation. Well, thank you for listening for me with the, half, the last half hour. I hope you enjoyed the program. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, it's the first week of the month, so we'll be having our chat with Tony Vidray and also with Christina Sikiotis. I'd love your company again for Business, the Law and You at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Alan Kay once said, the best way to predict the future is to invent it. <laughs>